This is Rich Kramer with Big Mountain Enduro, and this is the Beyond the Rod podcast. This season, we'll be checking in with mountain bike athletes, brands, and individuals doing big things for the sport of mountain biking. We are back again with Nick Nesseroff on our next episode of Beyond the Rod with Rich Kramer. Hope you guys are enjoying the episode so far. We've uh, enjoyed putting them out and uh, and getting to know some of the riders. So I hope everyone else has. And uh, and this week, no exception, of course, Nick Nesteroff. What's going on, buddy? How are you? What's going on, Rich? I'm I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks good. for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. For sure. Thanks for uh, taking the time today. Your busy schedule. I'm sure. Are you getting ready to leave uh, to go overseas soon? Yeah, I'm actually leaving later this week over to uh, Tasmania for uh, the first few Enduro World Series events. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty busy, and we're leaving soon, so we're pretty getting pretty excited for that. That's cool, man. Have you been working hard for that, like off-season training kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, I have been. It's been a little tricky just because these races are so early in the year. I mean, they're in they're in March, and we don't really have – anything after that till, uh, the first BME in May. So it's a long season. We have to try to be ready for these, but also be ready for the races later in the year. So it's kind of different getting set up for these just cause it is early in the year, but, um, yeah, I've been yeah. working hard and just trying to do everything we can to be, to be fit and strong and, and mentally there for these. And then, um, yeah, so been, been working hard and, um, been really enjoying it. So that's cool. Yeah. If you look at the schedule, so it's coming up at the end of this month over in Tasmania, it starts off. Yeah, it's um, from this weekend. I think we're we're two weeks out. So, um, yeah, it's coming up quick. That's cool. What do you think about this new format with UTI taking over from EWS and and all that um, news? Does it affect you guys at all, or is this just racing as normal? Yeah, I, I honestly, from what I've kind of seen as of now, I mean, we haven't we obviously haven't raced yet, but um, it everything seems normal. I mean, it's just kind of different different people you're, you're talking to and like a different name. And, um, but it, it still, still seems like just a typical, typical kind of race schedule and race, race vibe. So, um, yeah, just same old, but we'll see. I mean, when we rate, when we get there, I'm sure it'll be a little different just with ECI taking over. They do a little different job than what EWS was known for. So, um, yeah, we'll see, but I think everything will be kind of just minor little changes, but we're still there to race and it should still be the same. So. Yeah. What kind yeah. of minor, give me an example of a minor little change that's going on that, that you would notice over there. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's just, they are going to start trying to broadcast a little bit better than they have been. So I think um, just depending on what, what kind of rank you're at, they're going to have people race with more like onboard cameras and try to live stream some of that. So I think that's like a minor change is just they're going to be, filming and broadcasting it a little bit different than they have been. Um, which obviously with, with the new ownership and the new broadcasting rights that they have. Um, so I guess we'll just see how that kind of plays out. Um, so, but I think it's good, good for the sport for sure. Oh yeah. That's amazing for the sport. I mean, I think that's, it's, it's, it's I think it's one of the things that's kind of missing is bringing Enduro kind of to the mainstream outlets or not even the mainstream outlets, mm-hmm. any outlets we have. And, um, it's kind of our intention here to do the same kind of thing is highlight the riders and their journeys through the off season to, you know, full-blown race season. So that's really cool. I look forward to that as a fan of, uh, of watching everything. So 
Do you know, have you been told yeah. how we're going to be able to watch this, how they're going to be able to keep, uh, keep us in the loop? Honestly, I haven't heard much on that. I mean, there's still, I think this year will be like a big learning curve um, and not just Enduro, but also downhill and cross country because they're taking over everything. So um, I think this year will be like a big learning curve. I know um, the Enduro stuff will probably be a little different than the way they broadcast downhill and XC just because it is, it is harder to film. I mean, it's all over the map. Um, so I think, I think this year will be a learning curve and the next year will kind of have a more set in stone kind of. Yeah place and time and, and how they're going to do it. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll just find out. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, it, it is a, it's, it, it is its own unique challenge, um, for the Enduro, you know, having a couple days mm-hmm. and many stages and spread out all over the mountain for their, for the, I guess for a broadcaster, it's so unique, but to come up with some creative ideas, like, um, you know, putting body cams on you guys, is that, is that something that's been talked about? It is. Yeah, they, they, they have talked about that for sure. Um, and just kind of how to do it, what cameras they would use, and also how they could live stream it or also just in a, in a quick fashion record and upload it. Um, so they've been, they were testing it a little bit last year um, on like the pro stage. I think they were doing that. They were mm-hmm. putting, I think the top 20 guys had onboard cameras and they were kind of just testing to see how they could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's going to be like the main thing just because it's, it is so spread out when you're actually at the race venue you could have a stage five or six miles from another stage. So it's, it would be hard for kind of the broadcast people to be on, yeah. on track, you know, and mul- multiple filmers all over. So I think the onboard camera is kind of the, the way that they're going to go. So that's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, that's great. That would be so cool. Well, that'd be great for everybody. Um, and then maybe drones involved in there too. I'm sure somewhere. Um, I don't know if I've heard about that. <laughs> uh, that'd be cool yeah that would be a cool way to do it too some of the wide open stages yeah. It. yeah and the, i guess the the unique the unique thing is i guess is maybe it's hard to live stream with some of the stuff being more remote and then you got to get all the footage right back to the uh right back to whoever's putting it out they got to edit it real quick and then get it out in somewhat mm-hmm. of a, a live time yeah yeah i think that's that's the hard part i mean just because there is multiple stages throughout the day, how they could kind of just have it all mapped out or they could, they could do it in a quick fashion. Cause obviously downhill and cross country is just kind of a, a one track that they have to film. So it's easier to do it live. So I think it'll be a big learning curve. We might not see it this year or next year, but I think it's, yeah. it's definitely, they're going to figure it out and kind of get it out there. Cause that, that's like the main thing that'll help grow the sport of Enduro, I think is if you could watch it. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We're, we're going to have some surprises at BME this year too. We're going to try to do uh, something on that scale as well. Some kind of either. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some kind of uh, mobile production unit and, uh, and see what we can put out of, put stuff out. Um, but again, the, the learning curve is just huge. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked to see what you guys have in store. I think you guys are, you guys have such a cool thing going in the States. I think that's why everyone keeps coming back to your, your guys' series. Just kind of how, core you guys keep it and also it's just so fun for not just the racers but everyone involved with it the companies and and i think that's why the bmes are like the premier race series in america and kind of what all the pros get honestly get paid to do is race the bmes because i think you guys have a, a really cool thing going so i'm stoked to see how how it grows next year for sure or this year hey man well yeah we appreciate that yeah we we appreciate that um 
we do kind of take ourselves to be the premier in, in North America. And this year we mm-hmm. even kind of um, up the, um, the prize purse as well. So we're, we're trying to keep, um, you know, the, the circuit going and going at the pro level yeah. that, that, that we really see it going towards. Um, <clears throat> so cool. Yeah. We appreciate all your support for sure. Um, <laughs> what, um, so tell me going back to going overseas real quick, Right. If you if you look at this schedule, are you racing both of these events then? Or is this just a one? Yeah. So the first two, uh, Medina and Derby, they're both in Tasmania, which is like an island off the coast of Australia. So it's it's pretty far down there, but it's cool that they group them back to back. So you can kind of just do one trip down there and race two races in a, in a matter of a couple of weeks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think those are only about a, a couple hours, maybe two or three hours apart. So it'll be um it'll be fun just to go down there and, and honestly just ride new spots. I've never, I've never been down there to ride. So, um, I think it'll just be cool to go ride and then obviously race too. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a good trip. Um, have you heard any yeah. race reports from the boys down there yet? Anybody down there yet? Yeah. There's actually been quite a few people down there, um, now and also the last few weeks, everyone, just cause it's kind of the first race of the year. A lot of people like to go down there and, just get acclimated and stuff with the terrain and, and all that. Um, so yeah, it, I think they're both a little different. One's kind of more in the trees, a little more rooty, kind of like East coast, East coast, like America conditions, like just <laughs> greasy and a little bit more like clay based. And then the other one's supposed to be a little more dry and rocky, like the West coast. So um, I think we'll, we'll kind of have two different types of, of races out there. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be real neat, man. And who, um, mm-hmm. and then, so are you signed up for all the whole series for the um, Enduro World Cup? So right now I'm planning on doing, I think, five of the seven of them. There's a couple in June that are, will be hard to make just because of the North American races. So I'm doing doing five of seven of the EWSs so far, and we'll see. We'll see if we do more of them. But, um, yeah, I think there's a couple couple in March the ones in Tasmania, then there's a couple in September that are kind of on their own. So those will be easy to hit. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's going to be a good ride to watch everybody, uh, kind of see how they do this year. If I know, and it stinks, there's no, there's no North America races at all this year on that schedule. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, this year they, cause they always have the, the one in Whistler, at least that's kind of like the biggest, or not the biggest, but that's definitely just like been around the longest in that series. And, um, so it's kind of strange not to see it. I think there's something to do with BCI and Whistler and they couldn't figure it out. So yeah, there's none in North America. Um, but I think they switched between, they have obviously the bulk of them in Europe, but then they switched mm-hmm. between having a couple in, uh, you know, Australia and New Zealand. They've had some in South America, some in North America. So I think every year they kind of rotate where mm-hmm. they go outside of Europe. So um, maybe in the next few years, they'll bring them back to America. So. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I know the fan base is here. I know, I know the crowds are here. So hopefully. Yeah. No, no, no doubt on that. <laughs> yeah. What about, um, so speaking of overseas, um, tell me, did, were you on the trophy of nations team as well going over there last year? Yeah. So last year I was, um, lucky enough to have some good races to get me points to uh they take three people from each country to do the trophy nation so um yeah it was awesome last year um it was colton peterson and i and we were on the team with richie yeah. and richie's obviously like the strong 
the strong like uh, <laughs> glue to that team. So we tried to stick stick onto his back wheels as long as we could on the stages. So it was fun to ride and hang out and just kind of see how he approaches the races. I know the trophy nation's like a little different than a how he would approach like a normal Enduro World Series event, but um, it was cool to to yeah try to hang on his will and race as a pack and and race as a team and try to get everyone across the line as quickly as possible instead of just kind of being on your own all day. So yeah, it was a fun format. It was wild. We had some crashes, we had some mechanical, yeah. but um, yeah, we, and we ended the day in third, which was cool. There's, I mean, all the countries right now are so fast. So just to be on the podium with, I think yeah. it was New Zealand one and France was second. Um, obviously some of the best bike riders come from those countries. So it was cool to be up there with all those guys. So yeah, what a unique format. I mean, what a unique thing to to be a part of. Um, did you know you were that was on your radar last year when you were going through your race season? Was this something that you were achieving to do, or was this kind of luck of the draw? No, it was it was definitely something I was thinking of throughout the year. Um, they make it like a known thing, like, hey, we take the top three ranked on EWS points on their scale. So it's kind of like trying to create a schedule where you get the most EWS points just to, to make sure you're on that team. And, um, so yeah, I mean, throughout the year I was, I was ranked in the top three. So I just, I just knew if I could be consistent at all those ranked races that it would, it would kind of be something that I could do. And I ended the year second in America on, on, in terms of EWS points. So I was pretty happy with that. And, um, but it was definitely a goal of mine for sure. I mean, they've only ran it a couple of times. They started doing it before the, the whole pandemic and it, they kind of took a few years off and now it's back. So it was definitely like a cool race just cause it's, it, it is new and it's exciting and it's a different format. So I was like, let's, let's try to get on that team just cause it'll, I mean, it's a cool thing. Racing for your country is so unique. So um, yeah, I enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah. I guess putting, putting the, uh, putting the race kit on is a little bit mm-hmm. a different feeling when you're, you know, with two others and you are just out there by yourself mm-hmm. representing the country. Yeah, and it's like a different format of racing just because you're you're racing. You, I mean, you have like a certain amount of time that all the riders need to drop for each country. But we were thinking, hey, if we race like wheel to wheel and try to stick on Richie, Richie's wheel as, as long as we can, like because they add up everyone's time. So mm. obviously at an EWS race, you get one practice run, so you don't know the tracks as good as the back of your hand, you know. But if you if you're following someone who's a little faster, like Richie is to us, we it helps us because we can kind of follow his will and, and see how he's setting up and know if there's going to be a corner or a rock garden. So it helped Colton and I kind of just ride a little bit faster, not having to like read the terrain as much just because we could kind of follow Richie. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. It almost just sounds like a group ride, you know, um, just out there kind of trying to get better because I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good philosophy that travels along any um, level you're at in mountain biking. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, some of the, some of the best days, the fastest days you're going to have are when you get a chance to follow someone who's really putting down some heaters. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So that was a uh, super cool opportunity and um, yeah, we just had a lot of fun doing it. So hopefully we can bring that kind of vibe into this year and just keep having fun. So, yeah, that's, that's great, man. That's great. Um, so a lot of people know Nick Nesroff as, um, first of all, Nick Nesroff, what a great name, man. You guys got cool names. Everybody's got cool <laughs> names, man. Like, 
Nick Nesterhoff. Thank you. And then Kaylee Skelton. <laughs> like, you guys, like, sound like you could be the WWE, like, kind of uh, like mountain biker. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thank you. That's funny. I always, I always like joke around with a lot of my buddies who race. We're always like, man, like mountain bikers have such unique names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cody Kelly. I mean, Portia Murdoch. It's the best. It goes on yeah. and on. Yeah. And Everyone's then, got cool names for yeah, sure. Yeah. And, the, and then, and then of course at the top of the list, there's Richie Rude. I mean, that's, that's the, yeah. that's the, um, the Sounds like a name. superhero. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, the that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so people in in my world know you as as enduro Nick Nesteroff, right? We we see you out there on the circuit mm-hmm. doing enduro, and you first kind of came on on some of our radars. Mine, especially last year, the first race of BME was um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> was Ironton, Ironton, Missouri. Um, yeah, and which you did really really well at. You did really well at. Um, what did you think Thank about you. that place? What did you think about that place? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ironton is so unique, right? Like you, when you think of mountain biking and mountain bike races in America, you think of the big tall mountains of the West coast or like the Rudy, like tight tree sections on the East coast. But when you're kind of in like, I guess the Midwest slash South, you're, you're not sure what to expect. Right. I mean, I've, I've never gone to, to a place like Missouri um, before, before we started racing there. So, um, yeah, I remember going in, I think that was our second year racing it. So we kind of knew what to expect going in the second year. It's really rocky. Um, you have to ride a little bit different just to make sure you don't have any mechanicals because it is so kind of tough on your bike. Um, but they've done a great job out there building the trails. I mean, with the mountain they have, it, it is, it's so fun to go out there and ride. And, and honestly, just the town that you're at, there's so much history. Like there was like a famous battle and, and, the crazy civil war history kind of in that area. So that was cool to go there and learn about that outside of the riding. But, um, yeah, I think it going to Missouri it is cool. I mean, you don't really like when you think about mountain bike, you don't think of Missouri, but then you go there and there's some gnarly trails that, that, uh, that scare you and make it hard to go fast. So, uh, it's fun racing there. <laughs> it was, it was so unique, man. It was so unique. Um, and then, and then another reason, so I'm going to bring up something. I don't know if this has been brought up yet or if anybody's asked you this question, but I've got a little inside knowledge um, since I was working for BME last year. Let's talk about you had some drama with maybe the race director and maybe fixing a bike when you shouldn't have been fixing a bike. Does this ring any bells at all? Yeah, it does. So there was a bit of altercation there. Um, yeah. Because it was a backcountry event. Um, So you're technically, if you're, if you're, I guess if you're working on a bike and you you, you need a tool that you don't have, you need to go to the pits to kind of work on a bike. Um, And we were at the bottom of one of the stages and I borrowed a tool from someone who, I guess it wasn't in like the, the, the right area to work on a bike. Um, And it caused a bit of, just caused a bit of like, um, <laughs> it just brought up, I guess, like a gray area, which was yeah. kind of good because I guess I got like an example made out of me that, Hey, if you're going to, you need to work on a bike in a sanctioned area. Um, luckily I wasn't changing any pieces that you're not supposed to. I was just doing a bolt check. So, um, right. but I think it was good. There was like a little gray area that needed to be talked about and brought up. So, um, which it did and everyone heard about it. And, uh, it was all talked about and settled and agreed on. So I think it was good. And everyone kind of 
I think the rest of the year, everyone really stuck to like the rule book, which is good because I mean, it's mountain biking. You're out there, you're out there in the hills and like there could be rule bending, I guess, between racers. But I think it was good that you kind of kept everyone in check. So I guess if I'm the one that needs to be made an example of, it's fine. Take, I'll bite, bite the bullet and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll all move on. So, well, yeah. I think, I think everyone, everyone definitely moved on and, but the way that you kind of stood up and, 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 um, and help the situation move along. That was really stand up mm-hmm. of you because um, <laughs> it, it was really, it was really interesting because I know that part of um, moving forward with it was you kind of had to clear it by some other racers. Is that right? Yeah. So I guess just cause there was a bit of a gray or they wanted me to talk to like, I, I think it was like talk to all of the top 10 racers and get everyone's yeah. opinion and, and stuff. And which I did, which was a little, I mean, it was a two day event. So in between the two days of racing, I was, talking to you know not only my friends but also competitors in the in the sport so that was kind of unique but everyone was like yeah man there's just we got to like get the rules cleared up so everyone was kind of on board and i think it bme did a good job and everyone handled it well and uh, we all moved on so um yeah yeah no uh no hard feelings for anyone no no nothing but nothing but stand up um vibes from from (laughs) our team um and it was the, the reason it was, it was a little bit, you know, nerve wracking and stuff too, because we knew that we had, we had heard of something that we, we were going to have to address. Um, but mm-hmm. then the situation that you were doing so well in that race, um, that was the <laughs> other thing, like weighing on our minds and going, well, you know, if he really, if he pulls this out and wins this, then the controversy could grow even further. So way to, <laughs> you, you said so way to go on just dealing with it. And, um, and moving on and, you know, really laying down a great race weekend. Um, Thank you. Yeah. That was kind of the tough thing too, is like, I was happy with how the first day went and I'm like, Hey, we, regardless of like how that whole situation plays out, we still have a second day to race and we have another four to five stages or whatever it was. So I was like, I got to get, you know, keep my head in the game and go race and make sure I make it out safe and healthy and, and race hard and, and good. So yeah, it added like a little curveball, but, um, uh, yeah, it, it's all good though. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it was fine too, and um, and I'm glad you did well that weekend. It made it actually made me personally like really tune in to who you were as a racer, because because <laughs> I was kind of I was kind of you know I still am kind of new to the industry, but I you know had mm-hmm. heard that I'd heard that you know Nick had come from a downhill background and he's out here really trying to charge in the enduro world, <laughs> and uh, I guess. Yeah to me and still is just a little bit of a fresh idea, you know? Um, I don't think you're the only one doing this, but it seems to be that, that you're one of the top that is, that is, that is doing this and doing it well, kind of a, a a two sport career. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The last few years were a bit of a juggle between racing downhill and enduro. Um, Going into this year though, I'm focusing full on, on enduro and I'm not racing anymore downhill, which is, Something that I've been thinking of a lot the last year is just because I've been enjoying the enduro stuff so much. So it's like, you know, might as well do what you enjoy. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely a learning curve, though. The, the training's different. The preparation's different. And the race racecraft and strategy is, is definitely different. So, um, yeah, I'm stoked, though. It's, it's, uh, it's enduro so fun. I mean, you're just out riding all day, riding really good trails with your friends. So it's like, how could you not like that? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree. I agree completely. And then, 
And then you also get the fact that, you know, if you do have a mishap here or there, you do have um, some redemption runs and, and, and a chance to really push yourself when it's needed. Definitely. Like there's a lot more room to, to not only like make mistakes, but also overcome it and have good stages following that just to, to try to like revamp your weekend. If you do have a mishap or a mistake. So yeah, yeah it's just, it's a, a very unique type of racing. And I think that's what draws people in a lot can happen out of your control. So it's all about like maintaining a good mindset and, and coming about and bouncing back from that. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, so last year, I mean, you say you're not going to do any downhill. I look at, if it's all right, man, I'm going to look at some of your records with you. I have a, a way to kind of pull up some stuff and, um, and if, look at this stuff. <laughs> though, rain. Man, is this website not the best? This website is it's the, the best. best. If you want to look at someone's career straight up, yep. it puts it all out there. <laughs> it's all out there, man. Um, yeah. but what, you know, what speaks to me out of this is in 2022, you did, not just enduro, but you did downhill too with a total of like 22 events last year. I did a lot of racing last year. I mean, there's yeah. a couple local stuff to start the year off, but I mean, once the main bulk of the race series started up or race season started, I was pretty much on the road for like five months racing three, at least three weekends a month. So yeah, it's pretty busy, but I mean, that's what I love to do. It's what I'm doing right now for a living. So it's like, why not race as much as possible? So yeah. Yeah. So will you put a hold on some of the downhill then this year for sure? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm fully on an enduro main focus is enduro. And, um, so yeah, it's, I think still a lot of people are like figuring that out that I'm like, <laughs> I'm not racing <laughs> downhill anymore. Um, so, um, I think it takes a bit for people to get used to, but I mean, it's part of the evolution. A lot of people go through that. They, they transition to enduro just cause they, with a good downhill background, if you can get your fitness up, I mean, you have the best of both worlds. And I think you're kind of built for, for a nerve. If you can keep that intensity that you, you grew up with in downhill, I think it really helps if you can turn that into what you need for enduro. It's, it's a good kind of background to have. So, yeah. It's got to be one of almost the best background because it seems like the downhill guys are the most comfortable with uh, the big terrain, the big speed, and then doing it run after run after run. Um, yeah. And not only, yeah, not only that, but also just the nerves because downhill you have one shot. So you're so used to being in a high stress situation that when you kind of get used to having room for mistakes, um, you kind of, you're able to race a little more like yourself because you, you, you're used to just such a high stress situation. So the enduro just gives you, you're able to be a different rider and racer, which I think is like a very like attractive thing for racers getting to do that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Cool. Where's the money better? Downhill, enduro? Where's the um where's the opportunity where's the opportunity better for, for someone like you? Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, it doesn't really come down to, I guess, like what discipline you're racing. It comes down to obviously results is a huge thing, but also the companies you're riding for, the type of person you are, and, and what you can provide outside of racing. If it's content, if it's doing coaching camps, if it's doing just cool things that the companies you ride for like it. I think it all, it's all, it's all different for, for everyone. So I think it just, I think it's all, it obviously just starts with what, like how good of a person you can be on and off the bike and then obviously the results and, and all that filter. But I think there's like equal opportunity in Enduro downhill XC. It's just kind of, it's how it all plays out. And, and I mean, it is a business at the end of the day. So you have to be 
kind of business like-minded when you are approaching companies and all that, but it all, at the end of the day, yeah, it's mountain biking and it's just, it all plays out after how much effort you put in. So, um, yeah. Well, you, you bring up a couple interesting points and I think one of the things that fascinate, fascinates me about, about you and how I kind of want to dig into this next part. Um, mm-hmm. so you, the way that, that you market yourself, what you just said is, is very important. The way that you putting yourself out there on social media and the way that you're, um, becoming available as a, um, as an athlete, but not only that as a person off the bike. Um, so I guess where I'm going with this is, is you represent yours a little bit more as an independent, if I'm not correct, and where you're not involved with a factory team, but you are out there making relationships as an independent, Mm -hmm. um, independent professional. Yeah, for sure. So I guess, I guess you could call it like factory independent. I mean, I I do have factory support and less amount of support and, and I have companies that are there to help me make changes and, and help me just, be the best racer and and also just have the best bike and best equipment that I, I can. So that's really awesome. But um, yeah, it's a, it, this year is a little different. I'm kind of doing my own thing with obviously Fazari is uh, my frame sponsor and they're backing me super heavy. And um, yeah, they, they've offered a ton of support and, and all the tools I need to succeed. And then they were able to help bring on a couple, a couple sponsors, you know, through OEM stuff and just relationships they have. And then I was able to bring in a couple of my personal, like long time, component gear kind of other sponsors. So, um, mm-hmm. I think at the package bill, I'm, I'm like really excited with how it all played out doing my own thing. And, um, I'm signed on for a handful of years with Fazari. So with room to turn that into, I mean, there's kind of endless opportunities. So, um, yeah, if down the road, I think it'll turn into, could turn into a huge, you know, factory team, but right now I'm, it's uh, kind of just a personal factory independent team, which is, I mean, I have a support for and budget for a mechanic and, and pits and, and all that, but um, to kind of have, have it just be me, the main focus is, is uh, kind of a dream come true for a racer. So um, yeah, just having that and the tools to succeed and, and stuff that mm-hmm. I believe in too, not only just, you know, obviously the frame, but all the other things that yeah. go along with the whole bike, I believe in everything. So yeah, I feel like I'm in a really good spot and it all came together really well this year. So I'm excited. Well, good job on putting yourself out there and really, you know, doing this in a unique way. It, it, I think it shows, um, I mean, you have to get out there and race and you have to, um, and you have to put up the results and the numbers, but at some point, you know, you also got to bet on yourself and, and what better way than, than, than getting out there (laughs) and just being yourself and, um, and letting that stuff happen. Do you find that you have um, a little bit more control over things doing it this way? Yeah, for sure. I was, I mean, all the, all the companies that I'm representing, they kind of gave me the the freedom and the tools to, to make my schedule, um, deliver the content and just kind of pick and choose what I wanted to do throughout the year. Um, so that was like a, just kind of a, a breath of fresh air, just being able to handpick and, and choose what I wanted to do. So, um, I mean, I've always had really good you know, kind of freedom and relationships with companies in the past, but this year is just kind of, you know, like everything I could have ever hoped for. So, um, that just gets me, I mean, at the end of the day, that gets me excited to ride. And when I'm excited to ride and I'm happy, like I, I ride to my fullest potential. So, I mean, that's just going to help me in the races. So yeah, mm-hmm. good. And then are, in the same breath, are you, are you, are you, um, 
your own manager? Are you your own agent? Are you that kind of thing as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I started working out this program like middle of last year and it was a lot of work to get it all into place. And while I was racing last year, so um, I'm really happy with all it, with how it all played out, but yeah, it was definitely a lot of work just um, making sure I could get everything kind of just like talk to the right companies and, and get everything dialed in and everyone on the same page. Um, so Fazari was a huge help though. Um, yeah. Helped me out with some, some, some personal bills and all that. So they were a huge help and a huge backing to, to get me on board and, and to keep me stoked and, and ready to race. So a uh, huge shout out to them because they, they definitely helped me out a ton, just lining some of the other bills up and stuff. So, um, That's yeah, great. but a lot of it, yeah, it all does come down to me though. I mean, I'm, I'm planning everything, booking everything, lining up mechanics, lining up photographers, videographers, getting the content at the races and sending it off to all the sponsors. And, and so it is, it is a lot of work, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's something that I enjoy and it's a passion for me. So yeah, I mean, I'm stoked as can be for sure. Well, you're good at it, man. It's really, it's really cool to follow. (laughs) It's really cool to follow. And, um, and kind of set watching you. Kind of, yeah. I feel like you're kind of setting the bar in a different direction. I don't know. Are you following the bar? <laughs> Did somebody do this that you, that you looked up to? Did somebody kind of in the race industry, did you see this blueprint before? I mean, I've, I've definitely seen um, people that I've looked up to um, start their own programs and their own teams and it, it played out well for them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, it all comes down to what you want. A lot of people, they just want to be able to show up at the race, have all the equipment, ride, race, you know, and then move on. I, I, I like the whole process of it. Um, you know, obviously the, the riding and the racing is the most fun, but I like the all the other little, little things that go into racing and making sure that we show up and everything's good to go. So, um, yeah, I'm, like I mentioned before, I'm super stoked. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to racing. It seems like this off-season is just, <laughs> going by slow. I want to just get to the races and, and start racing. So yeah. well, you're there, man. Relax, relax. You're there. Like two weeks away. You're there. I know. I know. So what? Uh, yeah. It's going to be so good just to get on the road again and just get out there and get loose and travel. And, um, yeah. Will you have a lot of practice time when you get over there? Yeah, I mean, you, you have a couple of days to, to ride and get used to the terrain and all that. But, um, I mean, once you're on the actual race stages, it's you get one run on each stage. So, um, you got to be ready to go. You got you to gotta have your GoPro recording. So, you mm-hmm. memorize all the tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you, you kind of just wing it. I mean, with one practice run, you there are sections you can't fully remember. So, um, part of it is just kind of trying to read the train as best as possible. But um, yeah, it's a good, good skill to try to learn. Yeah. On the go, on the go practice, on the go memorization. Um, yeah. Terrain is, um, do you guys, is, is a big popular way to train and get this memorization done? Is it, is it to go with the GoPro method, kind of record everything and then digest it definitely. later? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you only get you know, even at these EWSs, you get one practice run. At the, at the BMEs, you have a couple of days of practice. And if you're lucky, you could get two to three runs, you know, um, mm-hmm. if there's a chairlift accessible. So, yeah, the GoPro is a good way to, to be able to prep, to learn and to kind of memorize the tracks. Because if you have if you have 30 minutes of racing, I mean, that's 
30 minutes on the trail you need to memorize, you know, I know it's broken yeah. up into different stages, but that's a lot. That's a lot to memorize for sure. I mean, when everything looks the same, it's all yeah. on the trees and it's all roots and rocks. It's like hard to memorize every little thing, but um, yeah, you just try to memorize like the main big features that um, have different line choice or have blind drops or stuff like that. You try to memorize the sections going into it. So, you know, it's coming up, but um, yeah, honestly, a lot of it is you're just winging it. You're going as fast as you can and, <laughs> and trying to read the terrain. So that is the sport, man. It does seem like that. Are, are there times, um, are there practice times and times where you don't get to ride every, um, every trail prior to the race? No. Yeah. But you always, you always get time to do a practice run. I mean, there, there are weird cases where you could get a mechanical in practice that you have to go fix and it might alter how much time you have to, let's say, climb up to a stage or how much time you have to look at certain sections during the stage. Cause a lot of those races, you only get maybe an hour and a half, two hours to look at, at a stage. So, um, yeah, the main thing in practice is just kind of rolling through and just, and just trying to see everything. So. I wanted to get your take on the backcountry. I wanted to get your take okay. on, the, on the big backcountry days over at Durango and at Brinehead. Everybody's got a mm-hmm. little bit of everybody's got a little bit of different feeling on it. And um, so, anyway, I was going to play you a video of you in the backcountry um, crawling up this mountain <laughs> in the backcountry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what'd you think about those stages, and what'd you think about like the epic days it brought? Yeah, I'm I'm all for those epic days and like the long backcountry days. I think it 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 brings it brings a lot of like a different type of, of riding that you can have. I mean, you have a, a lot of those places like Brian and Durango, you have a bike park, then you have backcountry, which is totally different from the actual bike park. So um I, I'm all for it. I mean, I um Brian Head in particular had some pretty physical backcountry stages. I mean, you had you had some that were one of them was really, really long and flowy and then the other one had quite a bit of pedaling and, and some climbing on it so i think it threw in a mix because then the rest of the bike park stages were were gnarly and rocky so it, it did have a little bit of everything uh, and then durango i mean i think the backcountry one there was i mean i might be wrong but i think it was like 16 minutes so it was i mean that was a burner like yeah. <laughs> racing and focusing in on a 16 minute stage is yeah is is pretty gnarly so i think i think it's a good kind of mix during those like those venues where you have the bike park stuff to throw in the backcountry stuff. So you just have like a complete 180 from the other stages is um, I think it's a pretty cool addition for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of backcountry. I think it was great. I like being out there and just seeing the, um, the different terrain. Um, I know it was a bit of a hike and a big, a bit of a logistical nightmare for, for a lot mm-hmm. of us. And um and medics and everything and, and, and then, and sponsors and, spectators so um we're gonna see how the bme guys greg uh, is on the bme ops team he's the ops manager this year mm-hmm. yeah so they've been talking with a lot of the the local resort people to see what kind of backcountry stuff we do but um hopefully we keep it in yeah i'm sure it's a i'm sure there's a lot of logistical stuff for you guys, I mean, having to get in medic and media and, and the timing and all that and getting personnel up there, I'm sure it's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, yeah. but I think it is cool that you guys are known for always having some, some cool backcountry stuff. Cause not a lot of races have that. So I think that's cool. You guys make mm-hmm. that kind of a priority when you can. Well, yeah. And you know, the way I was kind of 
you know, explain that, you know, that's how the early days of Enduro, you know, were. They were the long mm-hmm. days, not a lot of lift access, not a lot of um, park stuff. Um, so it's nice yeah. to have, it was nice to see both. I liked them both. I like both, both sections. Yeah, for sure. So moving on to one of our, um, one of our Brian head, um, features, I want to show you a clip of something and let me know what you think about this clip. And did you practice for this one? And, and what'd you think about this, uh, roll in feature here? <laughs> you remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That was a gnarly section. Yeah. And that was a, um, when we got there and we started taping that section and plus how rocky and crazy Brian head was, that was a pretty fun feature. Well, yeah. And you, you, what you can't see in that clip is how fast you come into it. I mean, it's off like a, a pretty high speed little fire road tuck section. And then you kind of slide over all the loose rocks off the road into that rock garden and then down into that bridge. And then, off that bridge, you kind of gap into like a, a rock garden. So um, not only on your body, but making sure you didn't flat or break a wheel or, or a mechanical through there was um, kind of high priority. So, um, yeah, that was a gnarly second. <laughs> it was. It was, it was yeah. a, a great one for the spectators. It was a great one for the spectators. Um, for sure. Yeah. All right. Hold on. I want to show you another clip. Uh, so when going through the clips, I got I like to go through all the clips prior to, to when I sit down with people and, um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and just see what stands out to me. And on this next clip, man, so this is at, at um, World Cup DH at Durango. Um, and um, it's on the very, it's on the first or second big step down that they had kind of running under the lifts. Um Yeah big step down into a big left berm and then it got you shooting right into the uh, steeps of the woods. So mm-hmm. let's play this one real quick. And this one is of those drops, but this one has got to tell me this is where your downhill must come into play because look how far you pre-hop this whole thing. You <laughs> pre-hopped and no, almost nose boinked off where off where the rest of the people are kind of launching off of. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like when there are drops like that, I always try to pre-hop and land as soon as possible because when you're on the ground is when you can be making up, making up ground, making up time and going faster. So yeah, pre-hopping and then landing, pushing down and landing as, you know, as, as smoothly and, and uh, as quickly as possible is is the faster line in my opinion. So Yeah. yeah. That's got a cool clip, though. I haven't yeah. seen that clip yet. Yeah, I'll forward it on That's to cool. you, man. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> I mean, it just shows, like, that I don't know if that is just you scouting this feature a hundred times, or is this just, like, this is your natural downhill skills just saying, get up and get over and get down on the ground. Yeah, I mean, we probably only hit that a couple times in practice before you raced it, so yeah. definitely just kind of the natural instincts of... um I've seen a drop and, and, uh, pushing up and then kind of pushing down as we get over it is kind of, that's kind of, how I've always hit stuff in race, like drops and races like that to kind of do a little pre-hop. So you're, you're not going as high and you're yeah. kind of, you know, making up ground. So that's a cool clip though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it out there. We'll make sure everybody gets, gets a shot of that now. Um, I was saving that. <laughs> I've been saving that one for, for, um, for when I get you on. So I'm glad we got to see that. 
So, so, yeah, looking forward. We'll go back there next year. Maybe next year you can, um, or this season, I can follow you through and you can explain exactly what you just said. And, um, and, and, and you can tow me into that perfectly. Yeah. We'll tow you in for sure. We'll get you, <laughs> we'll get you airborne over there. That was a fun race. Durango's, Durango's a cool, just a cool venue. I mean, there's so much history there. That was, that was where they had the very first mountain bike world championships. Um, I think it was 90, maybe 91. So there's just a lot of history there. Uh, they've been racing there for forever. So it's cool that you guys have a BME there. I think we're all stoked together every year. And I mean, you're just in one of the most beautiful parts of the country. So I agree. I cool. agree. I, it's so cool. I mean, that's got to be one of the best places for um, for any kind of outdoor activity. I mean, just as soon as you land and 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 where Durango there, and then go up the mountain. I was trying to think of Silverton, Silverton, Silver, the Silver. Silver, Silverton. So I think it's Silverton, which yeah, is like Silverton. just over the hill from there. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. call it like Million Dollar Highway. Yeah. So anywhere between Durango yeah. and Silverton, it's just huge, huge backcountry, huge vast openness mm-hmm. of everything. Um, oh yeah, I think the weekend after that race, we drove up to Winter Park, and that drive from Durango to Winter Park was like one of the best drives I think I've ever been on. Like it was just the mountains and, and just the passes and, yeah. and all the valleys in there are so cool. Like such a cool drive. That's part of Colorado. Did you take the pass up and over? I did. Yeah. 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 It was so, so cool. I'm looking forward to that this year <laughs> driving up there. Yeah. What does driving around like you, for you look like in, in going to stop the stop? Are you um, a van guy? Do you get, do you travel with a big crew or are you just, um, what do you look like? So, um, I mean, we travel with a big crew for sure, but I, I have a sprinter van, my girlfriend and I, and, um, like in between races, we, um, try to make a few days just to kind of, I mean, we do ride in between the races if it's like back to back weekends, but we try to take a few days just to go sightsee and, and see what, see what every place we get to go to has to offer. Um, but yeah, we're in a van and, and then it, obviously if it's too far to drive, we, we fly, but I, I like driving everywhere. I mean, you get to see way more and um, you get to bring more bikes and, and we always have our dog with us. So we I was just going to say the dog. Yeah. What's your dog's name? <laughs> yeah. We like to ride with her. She's a, she's a good trail dog. So um, yeah, that's why I like to drive to as much stuff as we can for sure. So, um, but yeah, we always, we have a big crew at the races, but like, going from race to race, we all kind of break away and then meet back up at the races. So yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Where's home yeah. for you then? Where's home base for, for race season? Uh, San base? Diego. Okay. Have you yeah, always so been there? Yeah, that's where I was born and I haven't left. All my family's left, but I've stayed here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, is it good for training I, I and mean, off season or is this just something else that keeps you around there? It's a little bit of everything. I mean, I, obviously where you grow up is like where you feel most comfortable for most people. And I mean, we have really good mountain biking here. It's nothing that is like nothing that you would see ever at a race or, or maybe not the, maybe not the best to prep you for a race, but the fact that you can ride year round and the weather, it never gets, you know, like snowed out or, or really, I mean, we have a couple of days a year where we can't ride if it's, if it rains too much, but I mean, you can always find somewhere to ride and, the weather's good. So I think just for, for training and getting ready for, for races, it's, it's a good spot to be. Um, we don't have like 
massive, massive hills, but we do have stuff that, I mean, that a lot, a lot of fast racers come from SoCal. So mm-hmm. there's something here that, I mean, gets you, <laughs> gets you good on a bike. So <laughs> in the yeah. moto too, do you ride moto as well? I ride moto and that's a huge thing here. I mean, we have all the big companies have, have their teams based out of here half yeah. the year. So there's a lot of good moto and then we, we like to surf. So obviously the beach is there. Um, so I mean, if you're an action sports person, um, it has a lot to offer for sure. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet. It sounds like it's the, it's the Mecca for all that stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So growing up, growing up there with all that going on, what was, what was your go-to as a Grom? Like, what were you into back then? I mean, I, I started racing mountain bikes when I was nine. So as long as I can remember, it's always been bikes, but I, I mean, I played I played every type of like team and ball sport growing up. And, um, I think, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I mean, I just, my dad rode. So I think it was a way for my dad and I to go spend time together was to go ride and stuff. And I think obviously you want to do what like your dad wants to do. So the fact that he rode that really like drew me to riding and, and he was super supportive and, and, um, when I wanted to race. Um, so I think that was like a huge kind of drive to, to always ride and stuff was, was having him ride. And, there was always like our local riding scene was always pretty strong. There was always people riding and digging and, and stuff. So that was always a fun scene to be around. So that was probably a huge, like what a huge kind of aspect, what drew me there to ride. So yeah. Sure. Just having everything available at, you know, at that young age, has got to be great. I think it is good for like a kid to develop, like having access to sports and stuff for sure. It's like a, I mean, not everyone gets to do it, but it is like when I look back at growing up, like, ha- like playing different sports and riding bikes and, and yeah. all that, it was so fun. So, yeah. Did, um, I was talking with, um, with Bella Naughton the other day, she rides for live, mm-hmm. um, was talking with her and she went into some pretty neat detail about how, um, education and, and how trying to finish schooling, but still trying to be getting to that pro level of racing and balancing that whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, did you experience similar things? Like what was your experience like growing up, I guess in the high school years mostly and also trying yeah, to be so competitive? I guess, I guess I had like a unique way I went through high school. I, I, I did my first two years of high school, like a full public school. And then my parents always said, if I like got on a factory team that they would let me do like an online school Okay. So I think I was, I was 15 and I was, I got on a factory team with intense to race world cups as a, as a junior. And so they held true to their word and they let me do online school, which obviously as a kid, I was so, cause then I just got to ride all day. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be great. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, uh, I think, yeah, junior, senior year, I did it online. Um, and that was like a good, just like alternate route where I could still finish school, but then I could still focus on racing and, and making sure I trained and did what I had to do there. Um, but then after high school, I did, um, a couple years of college and, um, I'm kind of on, I'm kind of on hold right now. I mean, racing's taking off and I'm, I'm so busy with that, that it is my full-time thing. And, um, when racing does kind of slow down in the future, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and kind of finish off college and stuff. But, um, yeah, it is. It's definitely tough to, to balance both. Uh, I mean, racing's like a, it's a 24 seven thing, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's hard to balance it if you are, if you are doing school and stuff, but I mean, 
fits your dream and you want to make it work, you, you got to make it work. So, um, sure. but yeah, everyone had definitely has a different kind of route and story they took with mm-hmm. school, but, um, I was pretty lucky to be able to do my school offered an online program. So I was able to like stay in the same school district and, mm-hmm. and just bring my laptop everywhere. So, Yeah. Did you find it? Did you find it hard to stay dedicated and diligent to getting that stuff done, or was your mind just all on racing? So a little bit of both, because my school was a. I mean, they they basically said like, "Hey, like the quicker you work, the quicker you're done with school." So I actually graduated like a semester early. So my, I guess my motivation was get school done as quickly as possible, so I could go ride and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause I just love to ride. So that was like, Hey, if you get this done, you can go ride and, and focus on, on racing. So I, I guess I didn't really have a problem with that. It's kind of, so. it's, it's kind of a good motivation, you know, in a way, actually, I mean, it's a good motivation. You had motivation to get to a factory team, keep, you know, and then, and then you had the motivation to stay on a factory team um, mm-hmm. and then just be done with the school too. That's kind of nice. Like get done at your yeah. pace kind of, and, and be done For with sure. it. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, when I was 16, I started racing full-time racing world cup. So it was like, I was gone for three or four months during the school year. So it was like, if, if I wanted to do that there, I mean, there's no way I could, yeah. you know, I could finish school at like the normal route. So luckily I was able to do that because I was able to do both at the same time. So, yeah. That is unique. It's something that just kind of got tuned into me. I think I heard Cody. I can't remember who I overheard talking last season about that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty unique um, struggles that I'm sure all these young riders have gone through or are going through. Mm-hmm. What yeah, about, I mean, you're, I was you're trying s- to make it Go ahead. as Sorry. a mountain biker, like you're, you're gone so much starting in March, April, which is like during your school year. So, you know, you got to make it work somehow. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you mentioned college too. What, 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 what's that about? Are you interested in a field? Where, where did that kick off? Yeah. So I've done two years of, uh, just at a junior college uh, yeah. to get a fire science degree, mm-hmm. uh, to one day becoming a firefighter. So that's kind of like my goal after racing. Um, yeah. but there's only so much you can do while racing. Um, yeah. and I've kind of got to a point where, I either race or I go do school full time, but I'm still really young. So, um, yeah, just focus on racing for now. School will always be there. So I'll come back to that, you know, down the road. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, as of now, just throwing all eggs in the basket for racing. Nice. In the, well, that's good, man. I I think you're going to have a great season. Um, Enduro definitely seems to be, um, right up your alley and it's cool. It's cool to watch you just keep going and going and going. And and then are you signed up for all BMEs this year? Do we get to see you at all of them? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to all of them. Just, just like the Sweet. last years. I love them. They're such fun races. I don't want to miss them ever. So <laughs> it was fun, man. It was fun getting to know you. And so you seem to be one of the riders that um, always showed up early and, and then kind of stayed around later. And what I was saying is that, um, it was nice sharing a couple beers with you a couple of times. It was nice getting to know you this season. And, um, and, and you also had the fun privilege of living, um, in the condo above the entire BME crew at Durango. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, going back to like the beginning of your question, like I, I'm lucky enough to do it full time right now. It's my main time thing. So when I'm on the road in the summer, you know, I want to be, 
you know, I want to be the first one to the venue and the last one there just because it's such like a, I love it so much. And the, the places we get to go are so fun. It's like spend, spend as much time as you can there while you get the chance to do it. So, um, but yeah, Durango, we were, we were, uh, my crew is staying above your crew. So that was fun. Just like <laughs> going you guys all week, our, our patio was above your patio. So uh, yeah, after the race, that was, yeah. that was such a highlight getting to hang out with you guys. And I mean, we, we, I get to talk to you guys, you know, all throughout the weekend and race, but like just after the race was done, you guys were kind of just like not, you know, you guys were just hanging out, having a good time. And, uh, that was cool to be able to hang out and, and enjoy that with you guys. That was cool. That was definitely a highlight of the year. Yeah, it was fun, man. And and yeah, I remember you trying to um, help and educate me and assist me in loading my bike into the luggage for the last time. (laughs) It was crazy. It was fun. Yeah, I think you were... You were packing your bike super late that night because you had like an early flight. And I was like, I'll help you. Let's do it. I pack bikes like (laughs) 100 times a year. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that was a lesson to me. Don't wait till... Don't wait till um, the end of the race last night, hours before the flight home. Like, get it done early. But oh yeah, when I yeah before I feel like before a trip, I pack my bike like three days before just so I can like not have to worry about it the day. Normally, like yeah. I pack it the day of the flight, but now I'm like I'm getting wiser. I'm like, all right, I'll do it a couple whatever I like as early as I can, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's smart. That's 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 an educated man. See, I'm not there yet. That was my uh <laughs> I'm still getting there. This year, I'm going to leave the bike it on the took trailer. Years, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. going back to bikes, man. Going back to bikes. Let's talk about um, Fazari before we. Excuse me. Before we um, get off here, you're with Fazari this year. That's a kind of a big move from KHS to Fazari. Um, mm-hmm. What happened there? What prompted that move? How did you get um, hooked up with Fazari? And and tell me a little bit about how that went down. Yeah, so I signed a three-year deal with Fazari, and um, obviously to, to do that, it, was, it has to be with someone I believe and someone I want to be a part of and represent a good company. And you know, we 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 had many meetings and and stuff, and I, I I feel like they're for right now, you know, like everything that I want for racing and a company I want to represent, they are. So it was just a supernatural evolution to to ride for them and and to turn into like a great relationship for for many years. So. It, it, it kind of got brought on naturally. I mean, I have a, a friend who who works for them and helps test and develop their bikes and, and a couple other things. But um, he mentioned to me that, you know, they would were definitely interested in having a top level American racer. And um, it was kind of a contract year for me. And I had opportunity to, 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 to have a change and to grow. And so I reached out to them, I think, last May. So we talked for, I mean, the entire summer and, and planned things out. And I kind of knew from the get-go that, they were great people and a great company to be a part of. And they have so many cool things down the pipeline that really gets me stoked to ride and represent them. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a supernatural kind of the way, the way it all played out and, and, um, yeah, I'm just super stoked. Like it's all positives. It's, it's really cool. So yeah. It seems like a great company. It seems like a great bike and, and their whole fleet of bikes. I got to look at last year being, being on the mm-hmm. scene. Um, which bike are you riding with them and, and how does it feel? So yeah, uh, last year they came out with the LaSalle Enduro bike, which is their full carbon 170 mil 29er. That's their big Enduro bike. And that's what I'll be racing on. Um, there's a couple races throughout the year, um, that I, I'll race their shorter travel 29er, which is called the Delano, which is, a uh, 
142 rear and you can set the front up at 150 or 160. So that's kind of the mid travel bike. Um, so depending on the race venue and, and tracks, those are the two bikes. Um, and then also they just came out with a really, really, really sick e-bike. Um, it's pretty much the same kinematics as the 170 Enduro bike, but it's a, it's an e-bike and it has the Shimano motor. And that's like almost my everyday bike. Like I just get out and burn, burn, burn as many laps in as I can on that thing. The e-bikes are so fun. And the fact that it rides just like the bike I race on is yeah. it's, it's a really good training tool to have. So yeah, they have a great line of bikes out right now and they have some really cool things down the pipe, down the pipeline too. So, yeah, this e-bike looks sick. It looks so great. And just to watch you be able to go over like jumps like this on it with no problem. Um, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Good edit too. I don't know who did this, but good edit. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We just released that a couple of days ago. So, um, that's at my local trails, but yeah, that bike's freaking awesome. It's so fun. So it feels like the Enduro bike when you're riding it, it feels kind of pretty similar. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's the same kinematics and the same suspension platform. Mm-hmm. So once you kind of get used to the weight, cause obviously they are a little heavier. So once you get used to the weight, it rides identical. I mean, I run, I run the same settings in the suspension on both bikes. I mean, that you can't really get much more similar than that. So yeah. That is cool. It's I don't good. know if you can see right now, but I got the whole video playing right now. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it really looks good. And then how does it feel? with that bottom heaviness in an e-bike being from, we don't get a lot of e-bikes out here. You know, we still got the rules and regulations of the national forest to follow. Mm -hmm. So what does it feel like racing at speed with a heavier bike? um, Rather than. Yeah. So when you ride the e-bike, I mean, every bike's different, but uh, the Fazari team did a really good job balancing out the weight because you obviously have the battery, you have the motor and all the accessories that go with it. Mm -hmm. So if you have a bike where they're, they're able to balance the weight out, um, that really helps. So I'll, I'll, honestly, I hopped on this bike and like, I fell at home immediately. Like we filmed that video on a couple rides in on that mm-hmm. bike. So uh, immediately I felt at home on it. You and, can tell. Um, you yeah. Can so tell. it all depends. It all depends on, on the weight balance, but they did a fantastic job with balancing the weight. Cause it is, I mean, you have the battery and the motor, so there is some weight and stuff, but they, they balance it out really well. So. And what's the charge life on that thing? I mean, it depends. They have three modes. You know, they have the eco, um, the trail, the boost. So it depends, I guess, how steep the climbs are and Mm -hmm. um, what mode you're in and what gear you're in and and how heavy you are as a rider. But, I mean, I go put 5,000 feet of climbing in on trail mode. So I could probably Mm -hmm. stretch it out to maybe 6,000 feet of climbing in eco. So, I mean, you can go, like, you usually get out of battery before the bike gets out of battery. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. The exactly. Bo- your body's out of battery before the bike is, so. <laughs> well, it looks great. I can't wait to see that one. It, lo- it does look great. It really does. It's a great bike, and the, the colors are really cool, so. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Well, the last thing I want to show you today before I let you go, man, and appreciate your time, um, BME just put out an edit for um, – if I can get to that, um, put out an edit for, um, for Mount Nebo. I wanted to take a look at it with you. I haven't really even cool. seen it. Yeah. I haven't even seen it really. I just know it's out. I definitely know it's not of, of, um, of race level or anything, but it's pretty cool because as you were talking about Mount Nebo earlier, it kind of has the same feel. We went out there about a month ago, three weeks ago. Um, 
but it's got the same kind of feel. This mountain, this badass mountain biking community is um, is really opening their arms to us and opened up this cool park at the top of Mount Nebo. So it's got some good stuff to offer. And um, yeah, this is all the stuff we saw. And then it's got huge yeah, rocks. I'm really, I'm really excited to get out there. I was in, I was, I always look at videos for some of the places we go to away earlier in advance. And yeah, it looks, I mean, there's a lot of rocks and a lot of cool, like, you know, machine hand-built trails and everything. So mm-hmm. it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. We went down there a couple of weeks ago, like I said, and met with the whole trail race crews and they're just out there doing a great job. Um, it's That's pretty cool. Neat. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they're super excited. Yeah, the whole town is, man. We went down to the bike shop. We went to the restaurants, the bars. And I think it's definitely one of these towns that's going to, you know, be very welcoming, very happy to see us. Um, that's and re- cool. Yeah, just really let us kind of settle in for, and take over for a week. And um, mm-hmm. But uh, talks about maybe having a nice, you know, after party at the very end on, like, their main street even. Um, a cool venue yeah that would be cool i think that stuff really just kind of strengthens the relationship between the the race organizers and the racers and the town i think that's cool and that's what would keep it coming back for many years that would be a cool little thing for sure yeah yeah i think we're going to try to do more of that this year um one of our goals at bme getting this kind of media thing going and and getting exposure going to bme is not only exposure to bme but also the riders and the racers that are out here so um yeah, look for us to do some kind of like autograph sessions with you guys if you're willing and um, mm-hmm. who knows. Definitely. Um, yeah, something just to get you guys involved and uh, a little bit more and then give you guys as much exposure as possible. So, I think that's awesome. That's That would create such a cool bond between, especially like an autograph signing with like the younger generation. I remember, I remember going up and getting you know, my idol's autographs when I was a kid. So I think that's cool. It comes full circle and it, it keeps yeah. the younger generation stoked and, and, you know, heavy. So that's cool. Um, let me touch on this real quick. Speaking of idols and stuff and older generations, I saw on another podcast, you mentioned that Sean Palmer was once one of your coaches. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. I wrote, um, for a development team, um, by intense when I was 15 and they had like a youth kind of ground development team and, yeah. There was five of us on there and it was called the Palmer project. And, um, yeah, I mean, he was such a fierce competitor and, and not yeah. only in mountain biking, but skiing, snowboarding, moto, and, you know, everything in between. So he, he just had a really strong mental aspect to, to his racing. And from a young age, we were able to kind of, you know, ask him questions and, mm-hmm. and get pointed in the right direction and mm-hmm. also just ride and hang out with such a legendary guy. So, yeah. um, I owe a lot to him. He, he opened up a lot of doors for me and, um, yeah. yeah, it was really cool to be a part of that. Yeah. I was, I, um, I was influenced by him big time, um, growing up with the snowboarder cross and the snowboarder era, snowboarder mm-hmm. cross era. Um, I just thought he was awesome to watch. And then, um, I remember one of his victories, um, at X games or, or whatever, he went over the last kicker and did a big, uh, like beer chug salute going over it. Um, it was just such an epic memory I have of him. And, they, and the commentators were like, what was that like move at the end there? What was that move? And like the beer chug salute. It was just awesome. I don't know. Well, yeah, definitely wild, wild times back in the day. He was, yeah, he was the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we were talking about other legends the other day too. I was talking with D Tidwell and he was talking about legends like uh, Missy Giovi <clears throat> that he got to work with and mm-hmm. something like that. So I'm a little, oh, I'm yeah. older, I'm older than you are. So some of the legends that I looked up to were are really getting up there now. And it's just cool to see some of them still hanging around. We're still talking about them. So it's gotta be out there. Yeah, she still rides. She was um, a couple races back east. I think the Snowshoe World Cups a couple of years ago. She was there, and um, yeah. she was like, like really stoked to meet my girlfriend Kaylee, who races and stuff. She was, yeah. she was like, "Oh, you're so badass!" Blah blah blah. And, and I'm like, Kaylee, that's like yeah. she's she was one of the, like the legends back in the day. I'm like, that's pretty cool that you know she she said that and and took the time out of her day. So yeah, they it's really cool when. When um you know legends of the sport come back to the to the current current yeah. races and stuff and and hang around, I think it's cool. So well, let, let's blow up Kaylee real quick before you get off. Um, that that's a very unique comparison, Missy and Kaylee. Actually, that's that's pretty damn accurate. <laughs> like that's that's very interesting. Like that's interesting. Um, just yeah, full speed and sending it and mm-hmm. and an insane amount of athletic skill and and technical bike skill. So yeah, they're. Yeah. Badass chicks on bikes for yeah, sure. Man. Is she going to be out at the uh, BME this year? Yeah, I think she's doing the the last four. I don't think she'll be in um, in Arkansas, but she'll be at the other four on the West Coast. So okay, and yeah. she's going to be racing them as well. Yeah, she'll be racing them. So nice. she's starting to like them a, a lot more. I mean, she's she she's really new to to racing, but I mean she coming from like the downhill world, she's right. Sometimes like on a full long backcountry day, she's like, she'll get a bit, a bit tired, but she's <laughs> starting to, to build her fitness up and she's, and start to enjoy those longer days. So she's, um, she did Brian Ed last year and, um, mm-hmm. she's excited for that again. Um, mm-hmm. but then she loves big sky, loves Durango and all that. So yeah, we'll see her out at those for sure. Yeah. I talked with her at Brian head and, um, she came down pretty big wide eyed, um, at the amount of rocks and boulders that were up there. Like she was, I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah. I think that was her first time riding there. And it was that like on a, obviously she's used to a downhill bike. So, so sending it on the trail bike, she was like, wow, this is gnarly. And she was yeah. having a really good race. I think she crashed on the last stage pretty hard, but she was all good. But um, yeah, I think she's definitely ready to go back there and get some revenge and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So <laughs> Well, that's cool. We look at we look forward to seeing both of you guys out there this summer. Then you guys are good um, ambassadors of the sport, as I like to say. I guess and um, and uh, right on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, give me a shout out. Help me out here, man. Tell people real quick that we need um, uh, everyone to go to bigmountainenduro dot com and check out um, getting registered for some races this year. Right? It's a good time. It's good to be had out there. Yeah, it's such a fun series. I mean, everyone I talk to, I'm like, yeah, you got to go go do some BMEs, no matter what your background is in mountain biking, they have, there's a little bit of everything at each race and such a fun, such a fun, fun vibe at the races and everyone's having a good time and hanging out and just riding the most amazing trails that, you know, the U S has to offer. So, I mean, if you like bikes, you're going to like the BMEs. So go register and, and yeah, uh, yeah, enjoy it just like we do. It's so fun. Agree. Agree. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. best of luck to you. Thanks for that. And um, best of luck to you in the next month here. Um, be safe down there, but go thrash it and uh, put some points on the board. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Yeah, that's the plan. Go out there and race the best in the world. And then, um, yeah, not long after that, we'll be in Arkansas hanging out with everyone for the first BME. So yeah. I'm excited. 
All right, man. Well, thanks so much. Nick Nestroff, everybody. Um, thanks again, <laughs> Nick, for taking the time. And uh, we'll be back next week on uh, another ex- episode of Beyond the Rod. So thanks, everybody. Great. Thanks for having me. See you, See Nick. You Appreciate soon. it, buddy. Later. Bye, buddy.